0: This Honest Money podcast is brought to you by Tracent Investment Management, informed by science, guided by insight. Tracent Investment Management is a registered financial service provider. Hi Warren and team, I would like to know what advice you can give for pensioners, particularly how much should be in equities. Would the calculation of 100 less your age be a good equity allocation and the rest in bond? Also, what percentage of equity allocation should be in foreign investments, assuming a large portion of bonds could be in local investments? Furthermore, the current volatile markets highlight the need to not have all my income in a living annuity, but invest in a guaranteed annuity. Given the current high CPI, would it be best to wait for markets to improve and hopefully the CPI to decrease before moving my money into a guaranteed annuity? Fortunately, my current drawdown is between four percent and four point two five percent, and could ride it out for the rest of the year before making a decision. Thanks, Abram. Thanks, Abram. Uh, I think it's a, a, a yeah, very difficult and and pretty complex uh, answer to your question. So, so maybe just to let le- let's kind of take a step back and let's talk about some of the phrases and and almost the jargon that we've got to clarify here. So we've got living annuities and and for. For most of us, you know, when we retire, we're going to put our money into a living annuity. And what that means is it's an income generating investment. That is, um, we're able to draw at least two and a half percent a year from the investment up to a maximum of 17 and a half percent of the capital that's invested in there. And I think it's important to know that when you put your money in, uh, it is your money. So if you decide to draw 17 and percent, and stock market growth for the next, you know, you know ten years or fifty years is only ten percent a year, and you're drawing seventeen and a half percent. You need to know that you are going to destroy the value of your money. You're actually going to to erode it to zero. So, so you know, the fact that it is a retirement vehicle and it'll pay an income doesn't mean that. Um, it's absolutely safe. It's your decisions how you invest that money and and how much you draw that will determine whether that investment will do well for you over your lifetime. So so living annuities are really good. I I love living annuities. I think low cost um, living annuities that are well constructed, where where investors draw a relatively low percentage are, are the ideal investment vehicle. The problem is uh, that they, they get some bad press sometimes living in UTs because people start by drawing very high percentages, you know, 10, 12 or even the maximum and then when their money run, runs out, they complain that this you know, was a lousy investment. Uh, and, and, the, and the reason for that is simple education. You know, people aren't educated correctly about w- what the dangers are of a living annuity. And like any good financial tool, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, perfect. And, and certainly the, the advantages could also be disadvantages if used incorrectly. So, so the other off- offering that you can take advantage of would then be a guaranteed annuity. And that is simply a contract between you as an individual and an insurance company that, that you say to them, here's my money, my, all of my retirement money, I'm going to give it to you and what income stream are you going to guarantee me for the rest of my life? Now it sounds like a really attractive uh, proposition because then you don't have to worry about stock markets going up or down. Uh, you know, you can just sit back and and get your income on a monthly basis. And especially for people who don't like investing and don't like markets and and don't like the volatility of you know seeing investment values shoot up and then fall over, uh, a, a guaranteed annuity sounds really attractive. And I think there is a a, a place for guaranteed annuities. Uh, they're, they're especially valuable valuable for people who simply don't have enough money when they retire. You know, so if you're retiring and you look at a living annuity calculation that says, you know, you, you're going to have to start drawing 10% of your of your pension on a monthly basis or on a yearly basis, I should say, uh, just to kind of meet your living costs, then it might be worth looking at a guaranteed annuity because it might not pay you the 10% on day one. Let, let's say they only end up paying you 7%, but it's going to be a, a, high, a high income for, for most of your life the downside is you are not guaranteed that that uh, the income that they pay you will track inflation every year for your lifetime they'll try i mean i mean and they certainly will try to to match inflation with 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 the income that they provide you but it's not a guarantee so so guaranteed annuities you know you get a false sense of security because you get this the, this money and then it's a high level of income on the first year of using a guaranteed annuity but It's important to know that by year 5 or year 8 or year 15, the buying power of your money might be less. If the markets haven't done well, that is what the insurance companies will use to generate the, the, the inflation growth. So, so low, low market returns mean that they won't necessarily be able to give you a, a high level of income growth every single year. So again, uh, you, you know, the security of, of a guaranteed annuity is only really valuable in, in the early days. Later on, it does introduce a different kind of um, risk to you, and, th- and that's inflation risk. So, um, if someone um, is is retired um, and and has an income stream of four or four and a half percent a year from a living annuity, in other words, they don't have to draw a huge amount from the living uh, annuity, and they've got sufficient assets. I I like a living annuity. I would prefer that Abram to answer your question over a guaranteed annuity, and I wouldn't worry about CPI and and what. Um, what's going on with the inflation environment I would simply stay with the, the living annuity I've got and make sure that it is low cost and well structured I'll explain that now but I think the important thing there is uh, you, you know if you've got a, a living annuity and and it's in a high cost place let's say you're, you' know you're at a company that's charging you a massive fee you are able to move a living annuity from one company to another there's no restriction that forces you to stay there whereas when you've got a guaranteed annuity, you're stuck for life. The moment you sign a contract uh, for, for a guaranteed annuity, that's a contract for, for the rest of your lifetime. That, that, that's how it's going to work. You won't be able to get out of that. I know that from bitter experience where, where we've tried to transfer clients living in a new, uh, guaranteed annuities from from companies in the past, and it's simply not possible. So so Abram in terms of your question around uh, how much should you have in shares if you want to beat inflation and and get the best combination of capital growth w- with some risk but not too much risk I think you need a, an allocation to shares that ranges from around uh, uh, 65% to 75% over your lifetime. So I'm not a big fan of saying take a hundred, um, subtract your age, and and that's the allocation to shares that you should have. So so for example, if you're 90 years old, you know, saying that I'm I'm, you know, take a hundred, subtract my age, which is 90, I should have 10% in shares, and that's how I go. That that rule of thumb is 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 a rule of thumb only w- when you don't know much more about your investment position. So so for example, if you're 90 years old, but but you're worth a hundred million Rand. You know, you could have everything in shares because actually, you're probably going to leave that money to the next generation, and and so you know, worrying about your your equity allocation in you know in that situation is is not a good idea at all. Whereas, if you're 58 years old and you've retired and you're drawing a relatively large amount uh, fr- from your living annuity, then actually you can't afford to take too much risk with your your shares, So, uh, so with shares. So, so that means that you probably need a lower allocation to shares just to try and get some inflation protection, and you need a higher allocation to bonds uh, and, and, and cash so that you get a high level of income and, and then a little bit of the exposure to shares to get you the inflation protection. So I think you've got to be careful there about these rules of thumb. In terms of allocation to overseas investments within your living annuity, uh, the, the the law has changed recently to allow balanced funds or all unit trust uh, companies to increase the offshore allocation to around forty five percent of of retirement funds, and I think that's probably the right allocation. I, I think that's you know you know over the long period of time. Uh, depending on where you want to live and all of the other things, but but forty five percent is a, is a good benchmark and then uh, that's for offshore and then uh, share allocation of sixty five to seventy five percent for most people will be right for most conditions. i, I can't I can't make it more specific than that. I, I wish you all the best. I'm not sure I would go the guaranteed annuity uh, at, at, when you're drawing four or four and a half percent a year so so perhaps avoid that for, for, for your own position. Hey, I just wanted to find out. So I've recently opened an Easy Equity account and I've seen that it goes up by like 20 Rand and then decreases by 20 Rand or goes into negative. I just wanted to find out how does it work first like opening a savings account and getting your monthly interest. As I know with a savings account, you get like an X percent per annum. How does it work? How do you grow your money using Easy Equity Like, should you take your shares out at a certain point? Like when things are going high, you then take them out and then rebuy when they're low? Or how exactly does it work? Can you just leave your money in there and it will automatically grow? Or do you actually have to sit there working at it? I hope that makes sense. Thanks so much. Thank you for your brilliant question. I think uh, it's it's something that a lot of people grapple with. You know, when they look at uh, opening an investment account for the first time, and they start putting their money in there every month, they, they just watch this account going up and then it goes down. And especially in very volatile, rocky markets, which, which is probably most of the time, um, it's very disconcerting to see your account going down, you know, sometimes for weeks or months on or in a row. And then when you look at your savings account or your fixed deposit, you only ever see it going up. So I think it's important to understand uh, the, the difference. You, you, you know, a savings account or a fixed deposit We'll, we'll go up every single day and every single month and it, and it gives you a huge sense of comfort that your money is always going in the right direction. It's always going up. The, the problem is that that money is only growing um, at a rate that probably matches inflation. And and so, you know, your cost of living and and actually the buying power of your money is not going to grow at all by putting your money in a savings account. There will be times when it feels great because, you know, stock markets are going down and everyone else is losing money and your savings account is going up. But I think it's important to understand the context here. Your buying power is not being protected. And so, even though you're getting a, a, a sense of security from, from your money going up every day, uh, it's a false sense of security. You're, you're actually, your 100 your Rand that you've got today won't buy you uh, what, what it can in, in five years' time if you only ever add interest to that money. So unfortunately, you're going to have to embrace the the idea of uncertainty, the idea of volatility of of markets. And that means you need to buy investments that that are going to ride like a roller coaster. They're going to go up in good times. They're going to go down in bad times. But the idea there is that over the next five and 10 and 15 years, the investments will grow much faster than what a savings account will and and certainly there'll be months or even a year or two where where the investments won't do as well as a savings account will and and then you can send me a a, a voice note and, and 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 to complain about that and let's talk about it again but what i do think is important here is you need to have investments that're going to grow uh faster than the the in inflation rates making sure that you protect the value of your capital in real terms to protect the buying power of your money and so for me, that means you need, uh, you need exposure to the stock market. The best way to get that, if you're starting out and, you, and you're saving with, you know, small amounts of money, you know, anything from 50 rand to, you know, a few thousand rand at a time is, is to buy an index, you know, to, to buy something that gives you exposure to, to global stock markets and South African stock markets without you having to become a, a, an expert on individual shares. So if you've got an investment account and it's invested in a, in a broad range of shares or in an index. Then, by all means, you know, buy the buy the investment, and you know, don't worry about looking at your account every day or every month. You, you certainly will never be able to get it right to buy um, when things are low and sell when they're high, and then buy when they're low again. And and that's not a comment about you or your your level of expertise. It's just simply not possible to do in the real world with real money, with all the professional money managers in the world that have been doing this for the last nearly you know 150, 200 years. They have not been able to to buy low and sell high on a consistent basis. There will be the odd time when they get it right, and 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 actually that's a fluke, and and then they get huge, you know, kudos in the press because they're investment geniuses. But it's just really funny how those investment geniuses, when the next big market shakeup happens, just disappear because because actually they were just lucky once, uh, and and unfortunately you can't be lucky all the time. I, I wish we could. So I think. Uh, if you've got an account uh, an, an investment account it doesn't matter what the platform is you know make sure it's low cost make sure that you, you you've got a broad range of investments and then keep going and you know if you if you're interested in 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 the stock market uh, you, you know you could also for example look at a unit trust that's a, that's a general equity fund or a, a global general equity fund you don't have to just be in an index i, I think i always talk about indexes but but the unit trust market is equally Compelling as long as the fund that you're in is low cost and, and well managed and extremely well diversified. I think that's a key point in, 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 in the investment thesis is you've got to control your costs and then be sure that you're getting value for the fees that you are paying. I hope that helps and I wish you all the best on your investment journey. Present Investment Management, informed by science, guided by insight. Present investment Management is a registered financial service provider.